Hello, it is great to be with you again today. I was just in Florida uh, just a few hours ago and it was incredible. It was very hot and humid. Florida in August is very hot and humid. And there was a one point where we were standing outside and it was just still. I don't think there's a more oppressive place on the planet than when you're sitting in a place that's humid it's in 90 degrees, 90% humidity, and there isn't a wind at all. I can tell you, I, I was never praying for more of a fresh wind in, the, in that moment. And really thinking about this series that we're in, life can be like that sometimes. You can be in a place where you just feel oppression. You feel like nothing's going right. Everything seems to be falling apart. Many people can fall into this trap of lifelessness, and we've been calling it the doldrums. You know, uh, it's in, when that you're in that place and you're like, I could sure use a fresh wind. I could sure use something to refresh me right now. And you may be running on fumes. But we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, a couple of principles that create this fresh wind in our life. And the first week we talked about falling in love with Jesus, developing a love relationship with Jesus. You know, a lot of people look at religion and they think that's loving Jesus. Religion, following rules, doing everything you're supposed to do, behaving well is not loving Jesus. You see, you don't love Jesus out of your behavior. Your behavior really flows out of the power of the Holy Spirit in us that comes through loving Jesus, a love relationship with Jesus. And when you get stuck in that place, we tend to manufacture this religious energy to try to get us out. And it's so important to realize you cannot, you will not blow yourself out of the place you're in. Last week, we talked about choosing a Christ-like attitude. It was probably the most practical message of this series and really talking about our attitude. So today I want to kind of extend on through that and talk about a message that I think is important for all of us to understand. It really is an epidemic in our life and it's really sucking the life out of us. Uh, so we're going to talk about our hectic schedules. Now, I know we were in a pandemic and all of us were sitting home and we we're enjoying our vacation and then it went on into something else and then we started to get a little stir crazy and we had to go you know go outside and do a bunch of stuff you know for the introvert the pandemic was heaven but for the extrovert the, the pandemic was a nightmare because uh, they want to be out with people all the time Who, whoever you are and whether you're an introvert or an extrovert all of us now, after the pandemic, post-pandemic, tend to have a busy, hectic schedule. Our pace of life, our schedules, our calendars, uh, we tend to get a little crazy with our lifestyles and crazy in life. In fact, it's almost, um, it's almost like a greeting to say, how are you doing? Oh, I am so busy. And, and, and wouldn't you love it if somebody came up and said, how are you doing? Oh, I have nothing to do. I am so not busy. You know, wouldn't that shock you if, or shock someone if you gave them that greeting? 
So we're going to start in Deuteronomy 30, 19, and this is what it says. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. And you got to really see the last three words. Now choose life. Like you get to choose your schedule. You're, if, if your schedule chooses you, you're in bondage. You're prisoner to your schedule. We need to take control of our schedule. We're just too busy, really. That's the biggest problem. Here's, an, here's an, uh, uh, the average American uh, schedule or how they spend their time. Uh, they eat out 14,411 times, including 1,811 trips to McDonald's. Now, I don't know how they recorded that, but that's what this study uh, showed. They spend 13 years and four months watching TV. They spend years waiting in line. They spend an entire year looking for misplaced items. They will attend 35 weddings and they will drive 627,000 miles. Uh, that's, it's, uh, it's true. A lot of people are dying in traffic. And we find ourselves living a lifestyle that is different from the way we wish we'd have it. You know, some people say, boy, I just wish we could slow down. No, if you wish you could slow down, you would slow down because you do what you wish. The pandemic was a great opportunity. And for many people, it was an opportunity that they took advantage of to re take a new look at their schedule and determine what is it that's important to me and what is it that I'm putting all my time into that I don't need to be putting my time into. I know for many people, you know, it's easy to get caught up in things that are passing away really have no eternal meaning. And I want to encourage you as you're listening to this message to really to stop and to take stock at how our busy schedule can take away from the things that God has called us to and what God is calling us to. Now, I want to talk about a story out of the Old Testament, and we're going to talk about uh, the nation of Israel when it was not actually living in Israel. They were taken into exile uh, to a place called Babylon, which is now modern-day Iraq. And the Israelites became slaves there. And, and, and before, not all the Israelites were slaves, although all of them really didn't have freedom to go back. Many of the uh, well-educated, good-looking, uh, talented, very charismatic leaders in Israel were taken into the palace of Babylon. And they were uh, literally reprogrammed into thinking as Babylonian, as the Babylonians would think. Um, they were given the Babylonian food and Babylonian clothing. They were given Babylonian names. And during this story, Belshazzar was king uh, at this time. And many of you uh, will have heard at least a phrase that came out of this story. It was the handwriting on the wall. Act, that phrase actually came from this story. So let's talk about the handwriting on the wall. Uh, Belshazzar was pretty, pretty proud of what he had done in his kingdom, and he's pretty arrogant, and um, he's having a party, and he wanted to bring in all of the gods of all of the countries he had conquered, and he brings them all in the, in the room, and they're having this party, and they're 
they're all they're probably very drunk and and eating and and dancing and singing all of that which goes along with it and out of nowhere a hand appears and it starts writing many many teko parson now of course you probably have no idea what that means especially if you haven't read uh, um, the scriptures but he he didn't have a clue what it meant at that point and so he promised his magicians and advisors that he would give them great wealth and position if they could tell them where the what it meant of this writing on the wall and no one could understand it no one knew what it meant and and the king was pretty scared. I mean, his knees were having fellowship together. They were knocking together as they're sitting there going, what is this and who is this power that is, is able to write on our wall? Well, the king's wife remembers Daniel and what he had done in, in the previous king's kingdom. And so he says, there's this guy, I think he could under, he'd understand this. So they go get Daniel and he says, Daniel, I'll give you all of this position. I'll give you all of this wealth. And Daniel says, I don't want any position. I don't want your money. I don't want any of your power, wealth, anything, but I'll interpret it for you. And in Daniel 5, 26, this is what it says. This is what the words mean. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Wow. I don't know about you, but if I heard that that's what it meant, and it was referring to me, I'd be even more scared than I was of the hand writing on the wall. God has numbered my days, and the reality is God has numbered our days. There will be an end to those days. There will be an end to our days. We will live our life, and we will go day after day after day, and then those days will end, and they will go by quickly, but there's an exact number of days, and your life has been weighed. It has been weighed and it will be out of balance if we don't stop and consider how we are spending or investing the time that we have been given while on this earth. If your life is out of order, your life is out of balance. If your life uh, was on a scale, literally, and if you took your schedule and you looked at what was important and what isn't important, if that scale would go one way with what's not important and weighs you down, your life would be out of order. It is so easy to allow your life to get out of order. There are so many opportunities for you to get your life in balance, and then we do get our life in balance, and then there are moments where all of a sudden we let all of these little things get in. We think we can do that, we can do that, we can do this, we can, and pretty soon people are sucking the wind out of our life. They're sucking it, right out of our life and you're sitting there and you have no more life you're burnt out you know there's a there's saying if you burn the candle on both ends you're not very bright you're not as bright as you think you are it's true a lot of us think the more we do the better we are the more we do the more we accomplish isn't it true so i want to talk about five fruits of a life that is out of order and tired and here's the first one Number one, the risk of sinful choices increases. So one of the fruits of a life that's out of order is the risk. You'll start to make sinful choices. Um, tired people struggle 
When you're tired, your resistance are low, your thinking is low, your ability to recognize this and discern things from right and wrong are, are, are much more uh, uh, gray. Uh, you become depleted, you're unstable, and the enemy sets traps for when you're tired. Not when you're at your best, it's when you're at your most tired state, when you're exhausted because you've been running, 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 running. Luke 21, 34 says, be careful or your heart will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. That day will close in on you unexpectedly like a trap. And literally, that's what happens. It weighs down our hearts and our souls are all messed up. And we find that we're doing things like addictions. You find yourself going to alcohol or drugs or or sex or or you're going into you're losing your temper more and you're getting angry all the time and you're ending up in this place in this trap of anxiety the second thing you do the second fruit of a, a life out of uh, balance is your emotions are inconsistent if if you're gonna uh, lose your cool it's more likely when you're tired when you're rushed uh, we can get mean when we're late it's so true um, when someone is late, you're in a hurry to get someplace and there's someone holding you up. You can literally, the longer you wait, the longer you wait, the longer you wait, the harder it is to, to keep your attitude right. And that's when road rage happens. And there, think about it. The, the number of people who have had incidents of road rage that you would never have thought would ever experience road rage, but they had road rage because they were in a hurry or they were impatient and they wanted to get somewhere. And when someone didn't move, they did stupid things that they would never do if, if they didn't have it happen. Job says in 925, my days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without my seeing any joy. A fast paced life has less joy. A slower paced life has more joy. You know, it's amazing to me how we can often get so caught up in such a past pace that we just push God out of our life. That's why you don't have joy is because the enemy has literally filled your life full of so many things that don't bring joy. Number three, the third fruit of a life out of balance is I'm less productive. We think doing more will accomplish more. It's just not true. You only accomplish more when what you're doing is done with a sharp edge. You know, if you're chopping wood and it's a dull axe, it doesn't cut wood faster. It's better to stop, sharpen the axe, and then start cutting the log. You'll see chips fly a whole lot quicker. You're going you're gonna to try harder and harder and higher, harder when you're tired. When you're burnt out, you're going to actually try harder but accomplish less. Why? It's because uh, we don't buy into this fact that actual rest is good for us and it's good for efficiency and effectiveness. We don't buy into the concept of sharpening the saw or, or we fall into this trap of one more phone call or one more meeting or one more paper or one more, one more, one more. You can do one more with less if you sharpen your axe, if you take rest. Proverbs 21, 5 says, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. 
Proverbs 19.2 says, A person in a hurry makes mistakes. You need rest. Number four, I end up empty on the inside. We, we work so hard for what? We thought it was going to be satisfying. We thought it was going to be filling, fulfilling. It was going to make me happy. But that's not how it works. It doesn't work that way. Psalms 39.6 says, We are merely moving shadows and all are busy rushing ends and nothing. The concept is burnout comes from too much activity. It's not true. Because there's some activity that actually restores life back to us. It's not about the hours that you spend doing something. Burnout comes from doing activities that have no purpose or meaning or reward. It's doing a bunch of things that didn't matter. It's not about doing less all the time. Sometimes it's about doing the things that mean something to me. They have uh, an eternal fruitfulness that renews my energy. You know, James Joe Namath said it best when he says, winning fixes everything. When you're winning, you tend to put a lot of time in it because you're winning. This is why it's so important to be involved in ministry, to do something that has eternal purpose in the lives of people. I'm telling you, being involved in your church, it's it, it, somewhere along the line, the enemy has convinced us that we are consumers of church, that we go to consume. And, and I choose my church based on what happens in that church and what I'm going to get from that church and how I can come and have ease. Am I going to have a good cup of coffee? Am I going to have a good donut? Is the music going to be in, uh, you know, somewhat uh, entertaining and performing? Is the message going to really inspire me? And then when I leave, will they pray for me? If I have prayer needs and I get my car, will I be able to exit the parking lot fast enough? And really, it's a consumer-minded um, relationship we have with the church. In reality, the church was never supposed to be this place that that came like a restaurant and fed us. The church was supposed to be a place where we were able to express our gifts and eternal purpose. Like I, I have an opportunity to do something that will last for an eternity, to be a part of a team that's working together to bring the kingdom of God to earth. That's why it's important to go to growth track. It's why it's important to be a part of, of Kairos and experience what this really is all about. Number five, and this is the fifth life. So, so if you your life is out of bounds, maybe you say, I'm not doing any ministry. And isn't it funny how uh, when we're reevaluating our life and one of the first things we get rid of is the ministry we're doing for other people. I, I want you to just stop and think of this. For, for just a moment. The enemy wants us to eliminate uh, things out of our schedule that help other people. God wants us to eliminate things out of our schedule that is very selfish so that we can help other people. When we're in a healthy relationship with Christ, we value those things in our schedule that brings life to other people because in turn they bring life to us. And here's the fifth thing. I can't hear God. God is speaking. We know he's speaking and we want God to speak. I just wish God would speak to us. I wish he would say something, but God is speaking. The problem is we have a thousand voices all around us that are trying to convince us of something else. In fact, you may be watching this 
and you used to go to church. You used to sit in the pew and you've heard the pastor and, and, and then you got out of going to church because maybe you started working a lot of hours and you stopped going to church or maybe during the pandemic you just stopped going to church or something caused you to stop going to church and you kept bringing up uh, maybe in your workplace or in, in your neighborhood how you, you really need to get back to church. But they, they started talking to you about, ha, ah, you don't need church. You know, it's a, it's a personal thing. You don't need to be around all those people. You don't need to be in a body of believers. And you bought into it. And you don't know why you can't hear from God. It's because literally the voices around you have convinced you that you really don't need to. Psalms 46.10 says this. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Listen for that voice because he is speaking. Your life has been so frantic, but it's important to stop and rest. So are you ready? I, I want to help you catch the breeze. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple of things that I, I really believe are going to help you. Here's the first one. Get rest. Pretty easy. Do you know how Israel ended up in uh, captivity in Babylon? is they ended up in captivity in Babylon because they refused to honor the Sabbath and they didn't honor their parents. Rest. We need rest. Now, this is important because um, I'm going to give you like uh, a uh, just a prescription that's going to help you get out of a stressed life. If you're stressed right now, say, yeah, listen to this very close. If you're stressed, what I want you to do is just write down on a piece of paper, write stressed on the piece of paper, S-T-R-E-S-S-E-D, okay? And then when you do that, I want you to, to take it and read it backwards. If you're stressed, this is your prescription. Eat dessert. That's right. Stress backwards is spelled dessert. They used to take a records uh, when I was a kid, and they would play them backwards, and they'd say all these satanic sayings, and they'd, that's why you shouldn't listen to music. That if you got stress, you should eat dessert. So eat cake. You have permission. Uh, you have permission to eat cake. It's good for you. Now rest. We need to get rest. Mark six thirty one says, then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I want to be a, a good pastor to you. And one of the principles I think you need to really understand is you need to get alone with Christ and rest. We need a healthy understanding of rest. Rest is the state of our soul, and it's a place where our body can be kind of renew and refuel and come into balance and into order. Number one, stop the constant push for more. We bought into this lie that more is better. More will make me happy. And we desire to acquire. The average American is spending 137% more than what they make. Borrowing money to buy things uh, just to impress people they don't even like. We do what everyone else wants us to do. We, we are literally being manipulated by marketers that are convincing us that we need all of this stuff. And all it does is, is causes us to have to work more and more and more to be able to keep up with Joneses. Ecclesiastes 4.6 says, It is better to have only a little with peace of mind 
than to be busy all the time. We need to believe that, but we're not taught that in our culture. Uh, when I was a child, we'd take trips to my grandparents' house, my grandpa Bifford, to their cottage in Spencer Lake, Wisconsin, and we would swim and we would play in the dirt. And we're just, you know, we're young people, and and uh, and we just love going outside. We didn't, this is before video games. Like there was a time before there were video games. And and for all the young people that don't know what dirt is, it's the brown stuff on the ground that that grass grows out of. Just just so you know what it is. You have to. You actually have to go outside to see it. You can't actually find it on your phones. Um, but uh, we didn't have Angry Birds. We actually had real birds, and we had Tonka trucks that we would use, and we would shuck corn, and we visited, we talked to people. We didn't have FaceTime or texting, so we actually had to talk to them face-to-face. Now, um, I know everyone is playing like every sport there is, and we try to fit one more sport in to see if it can work because, God forbid, we don't have any FOMO. But in Proverbs 14.30, it says, A heart of peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bone. Envy drives people to want more. We see what everybody else has, and we want it too. Proverbs 20.25 says, It is a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider his vow. Uh, Don't do that. Here's a word that I think we all need to learn, and it's the word no. No, just say no. If you're listening to this, say no. You can say it. It isn't going to make you shrink. Uh, always, It's always easier to get into something to get out of it. It's always easier to get into debt than it is to get out of debt. It's always easier to get into a relationship than it is to get out of it. It's always easier to gain weight than it is to lose it. It's always easier to spend money than it is to get it back. It's always easier to get in trouble than to get out of trouble. When was the last time... You were asked to do something and you just said, you know what? I can't do it. I don't have the time or the space. Number two, this is so important. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Now, I know people are saying, well, I don't need to honor the Sabbath uh, because I'm not going to go to hell if I don't. You know, I'm saved by grace. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you're saved by grace. But do you really think God said and created the Sabbath day so that if you didn't keep it, he could send you to hell? Do you think that's the way God thinks? Or do you think that when God created the Sabbath day, he said, I am creating this for the very creation made in his image so that he could enjoy that day. God created rest on the seventh day. This is not only something he wants us to do, it was a commandment. And all of the commandments are not only for you, they're for your good. If if you will obey the commandments of God, you will breed blessing in your life. And the Sabbath is the whole day. Exodus 20, 9 through 10 says, You have six days in which you do your work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me. Work five days for your employer, Work one day for you and then take a day of rest. Now, my my day is Friday. That's my uh, day of rest. I mean, Lionel Richie was obviously not a pastor because it's definitely not easy like Sunday morning. 
Uh, I don't think it is. It's easy like Friday morning for me. But we need to take a day and stop. Relax, eat, laugh, take the hand of your wife, ask her what her name is, take a look at your week ahead of time, evaluate your life, and enjoy your day. Honor your Sabbath. Proverbs 10.27 says, Reverence for God adds hours to each day. Fix your sail. Fix your sail. You do that by taking a day of rest. This was something God gave us from creation. It just wasn't some idea he came up with. And it's certainly not an idea that I'm just giving you. It is a lifelong, history-long, all the way back to creation principle that God has given you that will help you succeed. Number three, stay close to Jesus. What I love about Jesus is he's not just your savior, your Lord, your brand of religion. He's a person and a shepherd, a comforter that cares for you. Psalms 23, one through three says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Those are all promises. He, he, he makes me lie down and rest. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Isn't it time to lay down? If we, if we would stop our busy schedules and went to our shepherd and said, okay, I'm going to lay down. I'm going to listen to what you have to say. You know what he'd do? He'd renew your mind, your will, and your emotions lay down. There are times that we need to just lie down, where we need to just relax and quiet our souls. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, come to me, all you who are worry, weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, I don't know about you, but if you're carrying something right now, your yoke is heavy and you don't know how you're going to get through. Your yoke, maybe your schedule is so busy, your yoke is out of order, but his yoke brings us into order. God says, put on my yoke. Follow the example of Jesus. He spent time with God. He rested. He was at peace. So I want to give you the fresh wind principle number three. And Isaiah 63 through 14 says it this way. They were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. And this is how you guide your people to make for yourself a glorious name. They were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. They were given a fresh wind from God. He wants to give you a fresh wind. Here's the fresh wind principle. Slow down. Slow down. The pandemic forced people to slow down. And they got all renewed. A lot of people got a rest and they were forced to almost take a sabbatical. Stop. Grab the kids, get in the car, take a ride, and enjoy doing nothing. Practice it for just two minutes every day of just stopping and resting. You know, it's funny, even your Apple Watch knows you need to take breaths. 
I think sometimes we go through life all the time that we have to have Apple tell us to take a breath. We all need to stop and take a breath. What I want you to do right now is just do that. If you're stressed, you are operating outside of what God has ordered. Pressure is not stress. Pressure is something that is on us that pushes us up. Stress tears our body down and it destroys this flesh and it destroys our soul. I want you to take seriously how important the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit is in just this. And if you want that fresh wind, it will come when you lie down and take rest. Father, right now I pray for those who are addicted to busy schedule, like literally cannot stop. Because if they do, they feel like they're wasting their life away. Lord, the reality is, and science has shown, that when we don't take rest, we're less efficient and effective. That actually, we need rest to be sharper. So Lord, I pray that you would begin to set free those who are addicted to busy, that have to tell everybody they meet, I'm busy, I'm so busy. You can't believe how busy I am. I'm a busy beaver. Lord, I pray those people right now would experience the freedom to know what rest is, real rest is, that they would be able to renew their mind, their will, and their emotion, their spirit, and their strength. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you've been watching this and you need more information, I want to encourage you to contact uh, Pastor Alex, who is our campus pastor of our online campus. We want to hear from you. And we would love to hear, if you've made a decision to say, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus, we would love uh, to hear about that decision, and we want to help you in any way we can. God bless you, and have a great day.